Welcome to the Salsa Soul Food Podcast. Today we have a fabulous guest, Helen Spignese. Helen is a licensed mental health counselor working in a school setting with teens of various backgrounds. And she was motivated to learn more about nutrition to better understand the mind-gut connection. And she's currently studying to be a health coach with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And most importantly, she's an advocate raising awareness about an autoimmune disorder called Pan's Pandas, which she first learned about through her son. Thank you so much for joining us today, Helen. Hey, Helen. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. And I also forgot to mention that she's my sister, but... Yeah, you're I, like her son, not not your yeah, nephew. my nephew. <laughs> but yeah, so this is season three of the Salsa Soul Food podcast. It's the inspired story time series. We've been doing different interviews with like-minded people. So now in New England, we're transitioning from the winter to the spring. It was beautiful and it was hot today, but we want people to get in like a nice, cozy, uh, like tranquil mindset. So tell everybody what you do to get cozy? What I do to get cozy. Um, so I am in the house by myself right now, which is a, which is very rare for me. So that in and of itself feels cozy to me. But if you could see me, you would see that to my left, I have a candle going. Um, and I have my big jug, my big mason jar full of water. And I always sort of either have water or tea or some sort of beverage around me. Um, I have my slippers on and I'm just, yeah, definitely. I, I recently had the house painted and I purged a bunch of stuff. So I feel just um, like I have some more just like general clarity of mind recently. And what's your favorite beverage that you didn't mention? Oh, my favorite be beverage, 100%, is a glass of wine, red or white, depending on go. the season. Um, okay, there we go. <laughs> but I am currently doing a Whole30, so otherwise there might be a glass of wine next to me. So I am not drinking for 28 mm -hmm. more days. <laughs> nice. Oh, at the beginning. I'm at the beginning. Dang. And are you a candle elitist like Angela is? No, I'm not. <laughs> You're very specific with your candles. Oh. You're like, that comes from Yankee, so I will not breathe it in. Stop. I know. And she's right, though. She's so right. We should actually not be lighting candles. We should probably only be using essential oils. But I love the warmth that a candle brings to the house. So mm -hmm. I'm going to pretend that I'm not breathing in toxic fumes right now. <laughs> no, I'm not like that. Mark had one that's, that smelled like dad's cologne one day. So that's why I was I hated it. I was like, it smells a bit musky in here. But that was the reason. Um, so the second question is, what are you manifesting for 2021? It can be a project, a phrase or a word or anything that comes to mind. Hmm. Well, I think, as you mentioned in, in the intro, that I am, I just started in November um, studying to be a health coach with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I think that food is just on my brain, like just, you know, we've been working slowly to make some dietary changes, like in this house, like more permanent changes. Um I find myself always going on these, these whole thirties and then I do great for 30 days. And then I feel so much better. I feel, I feel just like brighter and, um, and you know, I have more clarity. I feel more organized when my eating feels good. Um, but then th the 31st day rolls around and I'm out getting the biggest bowl of pasta I can and a glass of wine to go with it. So I think, you know, moving forward, I want, to work more on um, sort of keeping these changes that I know make my body feel better, like keeping them around longer than the 30 days and making them just more part of my lifestyle. That's great. And okay, so we're going to get started a little bit. Tell us, so Pan's Pandas is a huge topic that I know that we, you can bring so much knowledge to us right now so tell us a little bit about what pan's pandas is and how that has like you know affected you and our family okay so um 
So panspanus is an autoimmune disorder that typically affects um, kids. I mean, I would say, you know, between the ages of four and 18, but could certainly fall someplace outside of that number as well. Um, so PANS is pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric symptoms and PANDAS, which is a little bit different, um, is particularly brought on by a strep infection, whereas PANDAS could be any infection. Um, so I think in telling my, my story and how um, PANS, PANDAS has affected our life, it sort of gives some more detail about what the disease entails. Um, so when I think about Jackson, so my son Jackson is 10 years old and he was diagnosed in the spring of 2019, so two years ago, with PANS. Um, so Jackson has always been sort of a, like a spunky spirited kid who really felt his emotions big and whether he was happy or sad or angry or frustrated, you knew it. It was just always a really, really big emotion. And um, his father and I divorced when he was only two. Um, and so we sort of always just like wrote our own story, like, oh, it must be because of the stress of the divorce or the stress of me moving out of our family home into um, my boyfriend's home and just so much, so much transition. And so we were like, oh, well, you know, that's the, a piece of why he has such a hard time with his emotions. And it made sense. And I'm a therapist and Jackson's dad is a psychologist. So we thought, oh, we have it all figured out. We'll get him in counseling or we'll set up, you know, we, we tried behavior management plans and all these positive reinforcement and he was in counseling and nothing really seemed to ever like map down for Jackson. Like it still was, he felt his emotions really, really big. So everything sort of changed a little bit in the spring of 2019, as I mentioned, he, um, in February of that year, he got sick with neurovirus, just, you know, vomiting, diarrhea, pretty much consistently for seven days straight, was out of school. And then about, I would say about a week after he started going back to school, we started noticing a lot of like really intense behavioral shifts. We noticed intense anxiety, um, particularly separation anxiety. Suddenly, this is a kid who skipped into school day every year and like loved school, loved his teacher, loved his classmates. Um, and now all of a sudden he was literally in the back seat hiding from myself and his dad um, and screaming like, I'm not going in that fucking building. I can swear on the show, right? Is that okay? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going in that fucking building. You can't make me do it. And just a real like sudden shift that didn't make any sense. Um, kicking and screaming to go in the building. Um, a sudden fear of um, choking and dying, like afraid to go into the into into school because he was afraid to eat lunch in the um, in the cafeteria, afraid that he would choke and, and and die, and like nobody would know how to save him. Like just really irrational fears that came out of nowhere. Um, difficulty with sleep. Uh, I I could go on and on, and just rage, like really just rage and aggression. Um, there was one night, um, and it's it's important to say like that he's just at his baseline, just like a sweet, nurturing, loving kid. So all of a sudden, just, you know, he one day I came home from work and he was standing on the car, throwing rocks at me and his grandmother. And another night I said, Jackson's time for bed, something that we've done you know, at that time he was eight years old. So how many, how many nights have we gone to bed and done the routine and there was no issue. This night he looked right at me and threw a figurine, a pig figurine I had on the table and smashed our TV. Um, 
I could go on and on. It, it was just like this sudden onset of like anxiety and rage and looping OCD. Um, and just looking at him thinking like, this isn't my son. Um, and at the time, so at the time I worked with, I work at Dearborn um, and at the time I was going into work and just like horrified by what was happening. And um, my supervisor, Sheila Gouch is um, very big in the pandas, pandas community and does a lot of advocacy. Um, she has two kids of her own that have pandas. And um, she kept saying to me like, you need you need to have him tested for pants pandas. And I was like, ah, no, that's not what it is. Da, da, da. I read up a little bit and I just felt like that's not what's happening here. So sure enough, I pushed a little bit on my, on my pediatrician and we did some blood work. So it's a blood work, it's just a blood test to show um, different infection levels in the body. And we can, we can add those blood tests after to the show notes. So if people are curious, they know what to look for. Um, and sure enough, it showed elevated levels of infection in his body. And as we dug deeper, we've also found that he um, had Lyme, Lyme disease. So all of these infections were in his body just causing this inflammation. And I, I imagine what happened is that they may have always sort of like been there contributing to these little things that we saw in him, but then the neurovirus just kicked it into, into high gear and, um, it's been a long road to recovery, but it seems like, um, I, I don't want to say it aloud. I'm going to knock on wood over here, but it seems like we, I, I, it's like, I get so emotional, but I feel like I have my son back. Oh man. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on wood too, but that's really good news. And, um, so what, I'm probably gonna have to ask more questions because Angela knows the entire story, but um, if Sheila didn't push, how much do you think, like, like do you think you would have ever known what was going on? I think, unfortunately, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, many kids are being treated with just, I think that Jackson would have been treated with just the psychiatric symptoms. Like initially his pediatrician was like, you need a neuropsych, you need, you need an, a psych consult. Um, he needs to be medicated. And unfortunately I think a lot of kids are treated just for the symptoms. Like, okay, he had, you're seeing rage and OCD and anxiety. Well, here are the medications that fix that piece. Um, and maybe they will work for a, a little while, but if you're never getting to the root cause, and mm. if you're never quieting down the body and dealing with the inflammation and dealing with, uh, the infection, then those it's going to continue to, it's just going to continue to keep popping up. And I, I think about how many, you know, as a mental health professional, I think about how many students that I've worked with over the years that I wonder, you know, was I really dealing with were they really dealing with pans pandas? And is that why they were never getting better? Is that why their anxiety and their OCD and their depression just kept, you know, just kept surfacing and never, you know, they'd have a moments of relief here and there, but never really having any long-term um, relief from their symptoms. So, yeah, I mean, that's a roundabout way to say that I think that I imagine we were going down a road of psych hospitalizations, lots of psych medication, and really with no, um, probably with him not getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I know that it's it's difficult to, to talk about it sometimes. And yeah, it's a good, it's a, all great points that you're making. And it's that, you know, people aren't, we've talked about this in so many episodes that, and Helen and I have talked about this together, is that people are only looking at symptoms or separate parts of the body because that's kind of what our medical system has been set up to do and it's nobody's fault no doctor's fault it's just a system that then we're not treating the whole body the mind everything goes together and so that's where we're just at a disservice so many patients are at a disservice so it's it's so great that Jackson was able to get this help and having a more progressive doctor who can understand more of the holistic perspective so like you said it's an autoimmune disorder and you know, inflammation in the brain, but we all know that, or not, we all know, but we've talked about it as well in the podcast that inflammation 
usually or most of the time it starts in our first brain, which is our gut. Right. So what are some of the the changes that your current doctor has helped you to implement in addition to like supplements and, uh, of course, his medication? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, initially, initially, the pediatrician really looked at it from the perspective of quieting down, targeting the infection and and really quieting down the body. So through antibiotics and anti-inflammatories. and that definitely, we definitely saw some immediate relief, but not, but not a hundred percent. We, we still knew that we needed to look deeper into what was happening in Jackson's body. And so, you know, I think that a, a sort of a hot topic right now is microbiome and in the gut health. And we did some, um, we did some GI mapping and well, we didn't do it the doctor. Like, I don't know why I pretend that now I'm an MD. Come into the bathroom. It's time to check your, check your gut. <laughs> all I did was seal the tube and send it away. That's all the we that I had to do with that anyway. Um, so what came back from the, from the GI mapping was that Jackson, in addition to having this, you know, um, high levels of mycoplasma and the Lyme disease in his body, it was also showing that he had leaky gut, um, he had yeast overgrowth, and also he there were signs that there was strep living in his gut. So, which is fascinating to me because you know I grew up, you went to the doctors, you got that awful cotton swab, you know, down your throat, and you knew if you had strep or not. And now I'm learning more and more that strep can live in so many different parts of your body, which is why oftentimes kids get misdiagnosed because if they get swabbed for strep and it says negative, then pediatricians who aren't well-versed enough in understanding pants pandas will just say, oh, well, there's no strep infection. Um, So anyway, with that new GI mapping, um, Dr. McCormick, who is Jackson's pediatrician, who I think is just um, like an angel walking among us, um, she initially put Jackson on a gluten-free diet and so we decided as a family to go gluten-free. Um, and that was relatively easy. I felt like, um, I feel like, you know, we live in sort of this like, you know, Italian setup where we, my, my kids and I live downstairs and my grandparents live, you know, they're grandparents. grandparents. Yeah. They're very, very old. (laughs) (laughs) My kids, grandparents, my parents live upstairs. And, um, at the time when we went gluten-free, actually Angela and Daryl were living upstairs and it just naturally made sense that we would all go gluten-free together. So it felt really, I felt like I had the support system in place to do that. So that felt really natural and easy. So then as time went on and Jackson's, some symptoms were still sort of popping up, um, Dr. McCormick then also suggested that we remove some other known um, inflammatories from his diet. So we also removed dairy and all refined sugars. So it's not easy with a 10 year old, um, you know, doing all of those restrictions in the diet. I also, again, I feel like the support of the family is, has been huge. Um, my daughter, Emma, who's 14 is, amazing and has said well we'll we'll all do it together I'm not going to let like I'm not going to be over here eating like a regular bagel with cream cheese while Jackson's eating a gluten-free bagel with you know dairy-free butter (laughs) so um both are sounding pretty good to me right now I'll tell you right (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's definitely been it's been a challenge and I, I actually am realizing like as Jackson has been going back into the school building I'm realizing how lucky I have been to, you know, if there's a silver lining to COVID, I think having him home and being home with him has really allowed me to try to heal his gut because it's easier to restrict his eating when we can't go anywhere else. He's not just able to go to friends' houses or go to school and sneak chocolate milks when I'm not looking. Um, So I think it's really offered us the opportunity to heal his gut in a way that I don't think I would have been able to if he was just in school every day. Um, and it's made a world of difference. It's made a huge, huge difference for him. 
That must be awesome having the support of the family. When my sister first went vegetarian, we were all pretty young. Like, I think she was in like sixth grade or seventh grade. And my dad just glared at her. Like as he was like eating, eating meat, just like so angry, and I'm like, why? Like now that I think back on it, I'm like, why are you so mad at her for that? Like it doesn't, it's not not affecting you. Um, now he's he eats more vegetarian than like any other dad that I know. But like it's just funny. He was just like angry for no reason. So well, having that support is really great. angry about food. People mm-hmm. get angry about not only the food that they w- imagining that they are going to stop eating or if you suggest that somebody stop eating a certain thing to, to to deal with an ailment they get angry but they also get angry like if somebody else isn't eating something that they like it's such a weird phenomenon i mean i see it all the time yeah it's like it's like oh you're saying i don't eat right because you won't eat the thing that i'm eating like they want they want you to like do what they do right yeah mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. And I think it's also important that it's not, I think a lot of people get upset too, because they think it's like this, a trend or people are doing it to maybe draw attention, which I mean, there could be people that are doing that for those reasons in in the U S particularly, particularly. And we're leaving it in. (laughs) And, (laughs) and like you said, gluten-free, dairy-free or, uh, and sugar-free, those are known inflammatory. So if our food the standard American diet is filled with so many processed ingredients that we don't need that sneak those things in. So I think that sometimes people just don't realize that we really just have to go back to common sense and go back to the basics. Like to, to put it that way is like common sense is like, what would our ancestors have eaten? They wouldn't have eaten a ring ding. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. They wouldn't have. Oh man, you, know? you, you fired Angela up. I've never seen her like this. <laughs> Probably not. Well, and it's fascinating to me when you start, when you have to start eliminating sugars from your diet, you really have to look at um, food labels on everything you do. And I'm always left questioning like, why, why do I need sugar in my mayonnaise? Why do I need sugar in ketchup and Bread. salsa and br- everything? Yeah. Like everything we eat, you know, people think, oh, I'm not... I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. And they think I'm just won't eat cake and ice cream and cookies. And the reality is, is that I would say 90% of the stuff that's processed in your cupboard cabinets, do people say cupboard? Sorry. Um, 90% of it has, if you look at the ingredient has added sugars. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit more about your health coaching program and how eventually in the future, how you would like to incorporate your mental health uh, practice as a therapist and the knowledge that you're gaining and that you've gained through your own research with Pans Pandas, but also with your schooling now. So in thinking about um, nutrition and mental health, you know, so I, I first became interested in um, the the program at the end the Institute for Integrative Nutrition through you, Ange, when you were doing, when you went through the program several years back and you were doing the cleanses with us. And um, I can remember doing the first cleanse with you and just feeling, feeling so much better. Like, as I mentioned earlier in, in our conversation, like doing the whole 30, I do these things for 30 days and I feel better. Um, And I, I sort of get stuck around how to, how to make that more a part of my everyday life, because we live in this world where we're bombarded with food and everything, everything we do is related to food. I've noticed like in having to make that shift for, for Jackson, I've noticed that every tradition that our family has, there's a, there's a food component to it. Um, so anyway, in, in thinking about how mental health and the, the health coaching program overlap, I think that, you know, not to be redundant, but in helping Jackson in helping Jackson heal his gut, you know, I'm not, I'm not healing his gut because I want to see weight loss or, you know, you know, physical health symptoms improve. I was, we were healing his gut specifically to reduce neuropsych symptoms that we were, that we were seeing. And in particular, when we started doing, when we came to do, um, when Dr. McCormick came to decide to do the, the, the no, no dairy and no sugar, it was very specifically because there was still some anxiety 
left over for Jackson. And I mean, any book you read about anxiety, anyone's going to tell you to reduce sugar. Um, I was sort of reluctant and sort of kicking and screaming because I wondered how I was going to get a 10 year old to eliminate sugar from their diet. Um, I quickly realized that I'm the parent and I buy all the food. So yeah. <laughs> I can do that. Um, but I think that I'm, I'm just, you know, I always used to sit with my students. I have one particular student in mind. I won't mention names, but years ago, I remember sitting in my office with her and it was probably, I, we had a morning session. So it was probably around nine o'clock in the morning and she was eating a bag of Lay's potato chips and drinking a Mountain Dew. And I, I remember at the time thinking like, this can't be good for this, for, for like learning, for mental health for just overall well-being to get through your school day. Um, and sure enough, a few hours later, I got called, I got called to go check in with her because she had, you know, had a little bit of a, of an issue with another student. She had been yelling and swearing and um, it just didn't end well. And I instantly thought back to what she ate for breakfast. And I'm not saying that, oh, if we eat a healthy breakfast, we'll never get mad. But yeah, in some ways I am saying that as well, right? Like I think that we, there's something so important about the food that we put in our body and how, like Angela said, it's, um, it really is like another brain in the body. Um, and there's this constant connection between the mind and the gut. So to think that what we're eating is not affecting how we're getting through our day and it's not to think that it's not affecting like our ability to be available for learning in the classroom or our availability to have mental clarity while we're at work. I mean, I think that if we're overlooking that, then we're missing a huge piece of ourself. Um, you know, I imagine, you know, moving forward, you know, I want to change the world, of course, right? Like you, you start health coaching and you just want to you want the whole world suddenly to not eat sugar and not eat gluten and um, make more of their meals at home and just go back to basics and shop on the outer rim of the supermarkets and buy local. And you want everyone to just do all those things. Um, but I think that we all, I also need to like scale it back and, 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 and know like what, what is it that I can do and be okay with what I can do. And I would love to integrate like my, like I don't wanna know anything about Pants Pandas to be honest with you. I, I, I know about Pants Pandas because I had to, um, but now I know it. And now I feel like it, I feel like I wanna use my, my resources to help these families um, just help their, put their kids on a better track. And so if there's a way that I can overlap my mental health background and my health coaching background and this newfound information I have for Pans Pandas and the importance of gut health, then I would want to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit of how you have already with your current students and tell us a little bit more about kind of the, the population that you work with at your school and then how you've connected them to the pans pandas resources. Okay. So, so I have been, um, a clinician at Dearborn for going on 20 years or maybe 21 years. I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, when I first started working at Dearborn, um, I was right out of graduate school and I never in my wildest dreams imagined that I would work with, um, the teenagers as my, as my, as my career path. I never imagined it. Um, but I think if you connect, I always tell people that if you can connect with teenagers that, um, you were like, God put you on this earth to work with them because they're a very, they can be a very difficult population to work with. We all know, like we were teenagers, um, and I'm sure none of us were super pleasant, but then you add in all these layers of, you know, anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, pants, pandas, you, you add in all these other layers and it can be really tricky. Um, the population I work with has definitely evolved over the years. We definitely used to work with a lot more, um, 
like aggressive, um, oppositional, um, like court involved, DYS involved kids. And over the years, we've sort of evolved into um, our clientele being much more um, like learning disabilities, severe anxiety, depression, OCD, and a lot less of the like aggressive behaviors. Um, so I think Dearborn is really um, like at the forefront of looking at kids through this medical model. Um, and it's really fascinating to be a part of the team right now. It's this past year, um, Dearborn brought on a pediatrician, Dr. McCormick, and um, a nurse practitioner, uh, Peggy Chapman. And clinicians sort of can flag for the team if they feel that one of their students, if it would be beneficial for this medical model for a student. So the medical model sort of looks at students um, through a different lens. So it communicates with pediatricians and outside providers to say, you know, are we missing something with this student? Have we left some stones unturned? And it's, it's not to say, like I said, when I was referring to Jackson earlier, it's not to say that with a pans, pandas diagnosis um, that suddenly anxiety and uh, depression and OCD just suddenly disappear and fade into the background. It's that the student may have those things, but they may also have pans pandas. And if we're only treating one, we're not really allowing that student to, I guess, you know, live their best life, you know, because we want to give them as much as much functionality back as we can. And if that means addressing the infection and the inflammation and also addressing the depression and the anxiety, the OCD, then we want to do that. So it's really fascinating to watch uh, these two women like really take a deep dive into looking at kids' medical histories um, and coming up with some, some recommendations for, for them and the family that really push them towards um, ruling out or getting treatment for pans pandas. So it's actually really fascinating. Um, the only thing that's frustrating about it is that as I'm doing it, I'm just reminded that we're one school out of, you know, millions and all, there are so many kids out there that, um, that could be suffering and aren't getting proper treatment. And I, I mean, I would shout pants pandas from the rooftops to help. Once I found out that was what Jackson was suffering from, I wanted the whole world to know about it. Um, is there like a specific awareness day or is it just uh, tied in with rare disease day? like February? Yeah, it is. Um, there is a specific um, awareness day. And I believe it's October 9th. I should know because we have our pants, pandas t-shirts and we put them on. I think it's October 9th. Um, we can put that in the notes to the show notes too. So people yeah. are aware. Um, and I can also give some um, some articles and books that people could look at or videos to watch if, if people are... Um, you know, more curious about understanding it. And I want to go back to just to make a comment that I think it's important when you were describing uh, the symptoms and describing sort of the episodes, right? We call them more like outbursts because I think it's important that you mention them because it was so sudden for you, like you said, and that's that's a great sign for other families to kind of keep an eye out on because I think that that's something that I meant to say that earlier that it was it's almost like it was like scary for you in in those moments that that was happening and to 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 be aware of that so it is really important to talk about that it can be a sudden onset um and so I think that if you start to see a sudden onset of um of OCD that didn't exist before, increased anxiety, particularly separation anxiety. If you see in your student um, a deterioration in like math or writing skills where they used to be really strong. Um, if you see like tics or stuttering or any sort of odd 
like movement that comes on, um, sleep disturbances that weren't there before. I mean, you know your child. And if you start to see these things that just don't make sense, then question your doctor. And I feel like that's another important thing to tell parents and caregivers is that we live in this world where we give doctors all this information. And I, I, I think doctors are wonderful and we, I, I praise them for the work that they do, but we trust that they know everything. And I really had to push back on my pediatrician at the time because she was saying, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. That's not what's happening here. And I, I wasn't willing to settle for a life of psych meds and psych hospitalizations for my son. I wanted in, I would love him and I would figure it out if that's what we were dealing with, but it just, it didn't make sense to me what was happening. Um, it was almost as if he was possessed in those moments. And I know that sounds silly. Um, I was thinking that exact thing. I was like, this sounds like a, like a horror movie that I've seen. Yeah. Like, that's what I was trying to almost say too. And I couldn't think of it. So thank you. Yeah. Like the Baba, like the Babadook or something. Just like the, yeah. <laughs> what is the Babadook? That movie is so awful, Mark. I know that movie. Um, well, I think that um, a great documentary to watch is um, My Kid Is Not Crazy. And it really, it really shows the, um, like the, the mental health symptoms, the neurological symptoms, the aggressive behavior that can come from an onset of, um, from infection. It's, it's actually fascinating that having an infection in the body um, can create these types of symptoms. And I just think that we're doing, we're doing kids and families a huge disservice not to at least rule out the medical piece. It's so, it's so aggravating because what does a pediatrician have to gain by like shutting down when, when a parent comes to say like, Hey, can we test for this? Like why even say, no, that's not it. Right. I don't know. I don't understand. Like Mm -hmm. I would, I would want to, Oh yeah, let's, let's look at that. And eventually my pediatrician was on board to do it. And she said, I'll run the labs and I'll, I'll look at the blood work, but I'm not familiar enough with pants pandas to help you. And I really respected her for saying that to me because, and I wonder if part of it is like, that it's like an ego thing. Like you'd have to admit that you don't know enough about it. Um, there is some controversy around the diagnosis. And I think people sort of land on one side of it or the other. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I just, and again, I, like we were talking about earlier, I think that we just live in, we live in a symptom management society. So if there, if the symptom is that your son is now being aggressive and angry all the time, well, he must be oppositional defiant and he needs therapy and he needs a psych consult and he needs this. And but no one's, no one's looking at the why. Everything has a why. And if we, you know, I love that there's this great visual of um, like an iceberg and students, um, what students show you at school is like the, the iceberg from the water up. But then all the stuff that's happening in that student's life um, is the iceberg, is, all, is the rest of the iceberg that's below the water. And I think that if doctors aren't looking below the water and like trying to find the why, then, then they're not, then they're just doing a disservice to our kids. Yeah. And I, I agree with Mark. It's frustrating. And I do think it's true. Like you said, a lot of like your provider admitted they didn't have that knowledge. And so it's finally, we need like a reform and there needs to be new trainings. And I'm, you know, I'm not a medical professional, so people in the field would have other like better ideas of course to to implement um but it all goes back to what you said symptom management where we're seeing this with covid right everyone is reacting differently like there are there are key symptoms we're seeing but everyone's being treated the same but the symptoms are not always manifesting in the same way everyone has different secondary conditions and that's similar with any I'm not saying it's the same as pans pandas, but similar in the sense that a lot of your kids, they might, that are uh, being diagnosed with pans, they might even all be given antibiotics, but they might in fact all need a bit of a different treatment with kind of a similar diagnosis. And so I'm sure as over time, 
like you said, it will become more of in, in individual care where each child can get really what they need, even with the same, same diagnosis. That's like the hope. Yeah. And I think that with Dr. McCormick, like that's where we're at. Like, I'm sure that there, she, if she has 10 kids, she probably has a million kids with pants pandas on her caseload, but you know, with the, with every kid on her caseload that has pants pandas, I bet you each of them has a different, has a different treatment. Um, and it's really individualized too. And, the, and it's not to say there aren't doctors like that out there. Of course there are, because there are kids with pants pandas all over the country being treated, but it's, um, for some families, it's not easy to get treatment because of location. Like we just happen to be in an area that has um, a practitioner that is well-versed in understanding autoimmune, like disorders of like autoimmune encephalitis and such. Um, so. Yeah. And I think it's also important what you were saying about just advocating for yourself for those. And it's great what you're doing at your school and the team that they have. It's like having a team of practitioners together for, for children or for adults, for anyone, I think is absolutely like where we need to be heading towards. So I think that's amazing. And hopefully that model Dearborn can be the example and that other places can implement that. And then more kids can have access because, you know, it's all about accessibility and then yeah, for empowering families to advocate for themselves like you've you and your staff have been doing. So what are some sort of basic tips, whether you want to talk about diet specific uh, or even a few resources you want to mention? And we'll, we'll put more in the show notes later uh, related to pans, pandas or even just anti-inflammatory uh, diet changes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, with regards to pans pandas, I do, as I mentioned, I would encourage people to read, um, I mean, to watch the video, my, my kid is not crazy. Um, it might be on Amazon. I'm not sure, but I can look before, um, so you can put it in the show notes. I also have a great book called brain under attack. Um, and it's a great resource book to really break down pans pandas and, and other autoimmune, disorders to so that families are knowing I think sometimes we go into the doctor's office not even really knowing what to ask and we need to be informed as parents to know what questions um and I say as parents because I'm specifically thinking about about the kids but obviously like just as people in general we should be informed as we when we go into our doctor's appointment um but really knowing what questions to ask, what to push for. Um, so I will, I'll share that book with you again. It's Brain Under Attack and we can, I can put that in the show notes. Um, and then, you know, as far as um, like gut changes, I sort of, you know, I don't want to sound like a reformed smoker who is telling everybody not to smoke, but I feel like my family has really benefited from um, the changes that we've made, like gluten-free and dairy-free and um, sugar-free. And I know that that's a lot to encourage people to do, to just like do all of those things just because you heard it on a podcast. Um, You know, without a doctor telling you to do those things, you, why would you do them? Um, But I think that, I mean, I could probably think of every single person in my life and one of, every one of them has complained at one time about something that could be really brought back to some sort of chronic inflammation in their body. And whether it's um, back pain or, you know, sleeplessness, I hear so many people talk about, um, how they don't, how they don't sleep well at night or people that have anxiety or fibromyalgia or all these different ailments that really could be treated with food. So I guess if I were to tell people one thing, if I had like one thing to, to, you know, one piece of wisdom to impart on the world, it would be to, to view food as medicine. Um, and that, and you know to to really take care of their body through the food that they choose to eat. Yes, I love that. So, for our final question, 
and you have answered a little bit of this throughout the show or at the beginning. But the name of the podcast is Salsa Soul Food. Salsa is physical activity, soul, nourishing activities, and food. Your relationship with food, dietary changes, a lot which you've talked about. So go through each category and just touch upon where you have specific goals either this month, through this year that relate to Salsa Soul Food. Okay, so... Starting with salsa um, in movement, I, so I think that my goal for this year is really to um, increase movement. I love to get out. I love to walk. Um, I particularly love to walk the beach. I feel like it's just recharges me in such an important way. Um, But I think that in addition, I feel like I need to do like a lot more intentional physical activity. So my boyfriend and I, Richie, we decided that we were going to start hiking all the 4,000 footers in New England. So we're walking in my, quite literally walking in my father and his hiking buddy's footsteps. Um, So I, my hope is that we start that sometime in the, in the spring and hopefully through the summer and the fall. And obviously it'll take us a couple of years to do, but that's one of our things. And we also um, bought each other paddle boards for um, Christmas. And so my hope is to just get out on the water more and exercise in that way. I'm never going to be someone that runs to the gym and, you know, does legs and arms one day and backs and calves the next, whatever it is. (laughs) Backs and calves. (laughs) Backs and calves day. Oh, God. <laughs> no, but if that works for you, Mark, then that's great. But that's just never going to be me. It's what um, I like. <laughs> that is so funny. So I really feel like incorporating um, like just fun physical activities into my life will be the way that is my goal for for this year. Um, as far as soul and nourishing my body, I think. Um, I think in going through this program, this health coaching program, I really have started to pay attention to, as the program calls it, primary food, which is the food, the way we feed our bodies um, off the plate. So relationships, um, you know, whether intimate or friendships or family, um, meditation, And I think that that's a piece um, in like finding joy. I've been trying to like incorporate things into my life that feel that aren't just like the mundane. I go to work, I come home, I'm a mother, Um, you know, and I think partly doing this, um, the integrative nutrition class and the health coaching, the health coaching class is really doing that for me because food is a place that I really find comfort. I really enjoy being in the kitchen with my kids. And I think that like through this program, we're just naturally, we're just naturally doing that more than we were before because we're like, you know, my daughter will say, well, I'm, I'm really craving a donut. And I'm like, well, then let's figure out how to make a donut that tastes good. That's all the things that, that you can eat, you know? Um, so that does bring me, it's still sort of overlapping with food, but that's, that is a way that I feed my soul as well. It's just like being in the kitchen with my kids. Um, and all, as far as food goes, I mean, I, I think that as I've mentioned a few times already, it's just like really, um, really incorporating lasting changes into my diet, um, drinking more water, um, not eating after a certain time of night and not because I'm trying to lose weight or, but just because I know that it affects my sleep if I eat after a certain time of night and I'm trying to very actively um, increase, like, you know, better my sleep habits. I've been making sure to shut the TV off at night so that I'm not falling asleep in front of the TV or putting my phone on, do not disturb after a certain time. I got that from you, Ange. So I have been doing, uh, incorporating things, um, like small changes here and there to moving forward into 2021. Yeah, yeah, I love those. 
So thank you so much for joining us. I know that all of the resources you shared are going to help so many people and all of the work that you've done um, with Jackson, with your school, with your staff and your students. No, I'm going to cry. I won't. I won't (laughs) cry. I won't cry. And we're going to put everything in the show notes for people to see. And I know that one day Jackson, you know, he's going to he's continuing to heal. And one day he'll be old enough where he can he's in his own advocate now, but he'll be able to even speak out and share his story even more so than he has already. And I know that's going to have such a great impact as well. And he's going to be so thankful that you were able to get in the kitchen and do all of these things with him and therapy and, and have all these teams of people to work with him. So I know that he's he's grateful, even if he can't always express it as as a 10 year old. And and yeah, and we're excited to hear more about what happens with your health coaching and your therapy. And so yeah, we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that, you know, it, the goal, it really is to just spread awareness and, and, and get people asking questions and, and, and feeding their body with healthy foods. And Ange, I have to say, when I told Jackson that you and Mark were having me on the show, he said, well, I'm the ones with, I'm the one with pants. Why aren't I on the show? So you may have a, future, you may have a future guest. He's not wrong. <laughs> 